This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. All right, 1103 in the box continues on this uh, busy Friday. There's a lot going on. We'll get to it all for you. Taking the 2 o'clock, hand it over to the drive. Kenny's producing today, and he's uh, off to the arena at TD Place to call some 67s hockey on TSN 1200. Tonight, tomorrow night on TSN 1200, Senators Hockey returns. Road trip continues. We'll be in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. To talk about that, and, well, more than just that, it's our old friend Matt Sakaris of uh, Sakaris and Price fame. He's a hometown boy. We love bringing him on here. Spent many years working in this uh, fine community as well. So out west we go. We welcome in Matt on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. Matt, good morning. How are you? Good good morning, Steve. How are you? Outstanding. Uh, Always enjoy having you on. So AJ is co-hosting today. You know, we're here. Should should we talk some old school renegades and, you know, things of that nature? Share some horror stories? Oh, my. It's funny. uh, When that report came out last week that maybe Atlanta was in line for a a third NHL team, uh, one of my colleagues here turned to me and said, what city deserves three chances in the same league? <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, well, I can think of one successful example. There you go. Um, hey. Great to hear your voice, too, AJ. Versace Hello, Matt. Versace keeps ducking me, huh? Versace keeps ducking me. The last time you had CJ in there, Steve, and now uh, AJ. Does Lee work anymore, or does he just post the Instagram? The toes in the sand photos from Florida. Drinking his uh, guava beers. Oh, Oh, man. We could do the whole thing rip and leave, but we we actually want to talk about some other things. We could. (laughs) All right. Uh, I I know you got some thoughts here. You you track the Senators uh, still, so we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. So let's start, though, because um, tell us about the Rick Talkett effect. Um, you know, yeah. he was very harsh on the team publicly, so I'm, I'm assuming privately as well in the beginning. Yep. But, you know, they're, they, they're playing well for him right now. Yeah, uh, he was very harsh publicly, and he, he, he continues to be not quite as much. And that's because they're playing a little bit more of this style of hockey that Rick Tockett wants to see. This, this team is a mess, guys, like just an utter mess, especially defensively. Guys cheating for their offense. It was a very loose environment under former head coach Bruce Boudreaux. So Rick Tockett came in, you know, much like the truculent player he was, and basically kicked some asses and took some names. And, you know, he's he's sat down guys, he's benched guys, he's been publicly critical of guys, he has had some loud sort of unconventional practices. Uh, But it's all about, you know, shaping a, a team identity, being tougher to play against, and, you know, having an opportunity to win some of the lower scoring games. Fellas, they played their first 2-1 hockey game of the season just last week. The mm. first time they went two straight games allowing three or fewer goals was just last week. So, And their team save percentage continues to hover around the worst since the statistic has been kept going back to the mid-90s. I think there's like an expansion-era San Jose Sharks team that has a worse team save percentage than this year's Canucks and and their penalty kill continues to track to be one of the worst of all time as well so it's really been a free-for-all for for the opposition particularly here at Rogers Arena when it comes to scoring goals and and over the last month since Rick Tockett has taken over they've been a whole lot better on that score yeah speaking of the goaltending what do you make of Thatcher Demko and 
some of the rumors that he might be available because, you know, in watching him the last few years, I, I look at one of the best young goalies in the National Hockey League. What's happened yeah. this year? Uh, he got off to a terrible start. I mean, the team in front of him played poorly, but, you know, one of the things that we had become accustomed to with Thatcher Demko and, and really Jacob Marchman before that is great goaltending covering up for poor defensive play in front. And, you know, Thatcher Demko was that guy. He was one of those guys that you sort of said, oh, he's, he's almost better facing 37, 38 shots than he is facing 23 or 24. Um, he wasn't that guy in the early going. Then he got hurt, missed way more time than we all suspected. And really, since he's come back here over the last couple of weeks, fellas, there have been no warts on him. Like, every single start has been pretty good, pretty competitive. Even even the starts uh, where he's given up more goals, gave up four goals against Dallas, but was really good uh, in that hockey game as the Canucks got an overtime win. And that's the other story that's emerged here is, is they're playing these close games, so they're going to overtimes and they're going to shootouts, and, and we're seeing some extra bonus hockey and some excitement on the back end. So... Yeah, no, in terms of the rumors, you know, I think you just saw a struggling goaltender and some predatory teams calling to see if Vancouver was so ticked off, this this management team, that they'd be willing to, to move some of their core pieces. But, you know, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, since they took over here last year, have been steadfast. And, you know, they feel like they have the franchise cup winning goaltender. He's on a great contract, fellas, just $5 million per for the next few years. So he's regaining his form here. I really do think it was much to do about nothing. I think it was the Kings and some other desperate goaltending teams who were hoping he was available, but I don't think he is, in fact, quite available. I mean, you know, there's always the caveat of somebody knocks your socks off, but uh, I would think it would take an incredible uh, offer for the Canucks to consider trading Demko in the summer. Well, well we do know, Matt, speaking with Matt Sakaris, that uh, Jim Rutherford had used the term major surgery That's uh, a few times, yeah. right? So they able to do some things. Well, notably, it was pretty significant to move on from Bo Horvat and couldn't get a deal done. Um, do you not think, and I, I think we all know the answer to this, and the answer is yes, making the coaching change when they did. It's like, all right, we want to have a bit of a change of culture here, but it's also going to be who's in, who's out. Who, who are we really going to focus on maybe to try to move on from and you might have to, you know, swallow hard on this, whether you're eating money, attaching something for a few guys. How much yeah. of this stretch is just about that? Let's figure it out here because we're going to have to make some hard calls yeah. this summer, uh, financially, that is. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely right, Steve. But now, he's trying to run a very narrow channel, Rutherford is. He's talked about how the team needs major surgery, but, oh, this isn't a rebuild, this is a retool, and even scoffed at a reporter who offered a three-year timeline to competitiveness or to contention. So they feel like they can turn this around quickly without having to rebuild yet while still performing major surgery. So you're going to have to help all of us out on what that exactly entails because we're uh, we're a little confused <laughs> by that here in Vancouver. It seems like a mixed metaphor at the very least. But, yeah, Rick Tockett has said many, many times here now that this is less about results, and this is more about process between now and the end of the year. They know they're not going to the playoffs. There are no fantasies here. So they are able to um, coach the team and play with a, uh, a different mindset and with a different eye. And you're quite right. Some of this will be about weeding out players. And, and one of the ones that we saw weeded out is former former Ottawa Senator Curtis Lazar, who is just a fabulous person, as you all know, and anyone around the Senator's would know he's a vernon british columbia boy he was brought home on a three-year contract here to be a 
a fourth line, hopefully center and penalty killer. And, uh, wasn't able to hold down those jobs, wasn't able to uh, contribute enough offensively, and so they moved him on to New Jersey last week at the trade deadline. And and I would suspect, and the Canucks were quite active at the trade deadline on some deals that didn't go down with Brock Besser, with JT Miller, with Connor Garland. I, I would suspect that a lot of that quote-unquote major surgery is going to take place this summer. What's been the difference again with Elias Pettersson? Because when you watched him his first couple of seasons he looked like a superstar in the making especially in the bubble in Edmonton and then a couple of seasons where it felt like he had plateaued but he's back to being that guy eighth and scoring in the league with 81 points well development isn't always linear now is it and you're quite right AJ when he burst on the scene I think it was 10 goals in his first 10 games or something crazy like that uh, we were sitting there thinking like we have the next coming here Um, he has been sensational this year. Back to the guy that we remember. Now, some of the last couple of years was injury. You know, some of it is just, this is a basket case franchise. Like, this franchise gets a whole lot wrong. You know, so whether it was multiple COVID outbreaks, he got hurt himself, coaching changes, uh, things of that order. Um, There has been a a lot to get you sidetracked and distracted with these Vancouver Canucks over the last few years. So, yeah, he's back to being the player that we all thought he would turn into. Uh, he's, uh, I believe he's a point shy of 82, so he's going to be a point-per-game player this year. Um, not to mention he's got an outside shot at, at, at 100 points still. So he has turned into the true franchise two-way centerman that he looked like in his in his younger years. And, and, you know, it's scary to think where the Vancouver Canucks would be if he hadn't emerged like this, if Quinn Hughes wasn't you know, on 61 points uh, as a defenseman. If the rookie winger, Andre Kuzmenko, wasn't at at 30 goals. Uh, you know, this team has some top-end talent, guys. It's a poorly constructed roster, and they are far from being sort of a uh, a contender. In fact, they're, they're even a ways from being a playoff team. Um, but the high end of this roster can give you some highlights, and Elias Pettersson is, is at the front of that line. All right, so as the uh, Senators arrive and we'll play the Canucks tomorrow night, if Sens fans haven't been paying attention, the Canucks are playing better. Uh, th- this should this should be uh, uh, a yeah. good one to, tomorrow evening here. So let's pivot over to... They won to... three in a row, Steve. I mean, yeah. they hadn't won two in a row since Christmas. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. three in a row counts as a big winning streak out here on the West Coast. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, it's uh, it was a big win for Ottawa last night in Seattle. It's not like you look at the standings; it, it's not going to be a walk in the park. So it should be a good one tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow. So um, it's been a long haul here, as you know. I know you observe, Matt. Um, yeah. The Senators and their fans are enjoying an actual, real, not a fantasy playoff push for the first time in six years. Uh, that was a big win last night here, and you know this fan base well, having covered it. You grew up here. You know what? What's your observation uh, from BC well, on what's going on here? Uh, I gotta say, uh, so it's uh, during the five-game winning streak. I had some friends messaging me like, "Oh, it's 2015 again, Hamburglar! Here we come!" Um, and you know, needless to say, uh, it, it's hearkening some of that. Uh, I, I got to say, boy, the, you know, the Senators in second half runs over their history. It's been a thing. huh? And uh, we were talking here in the in the studio the other day that we really hope that Ottawa and Buffalo get in, in the East. They're young and fun. And, you know, Pittsburgh and the Islanders are kind of older and staler. Although I got to say this, like hats off to Lou Lamorello and Bo Horvat on the island there. They are 10-3-3 three three since the trade. 
Guys, they're six one and one since Matthew Barzell left the lineup, and they're three and zero without former mm-hmm. Ottawa Senators Jean Gabriel Pajot. And you know Barzell was playing in the middle. Pajot was their most used centerman faceoff wise. Um, so they have really, really persevered here with some tough injuries, and they may be uh, a heck of a tough out given their goaltender when it's all said and done. But um, you know, not only the 2015 run with Hamburglar uh, comes to mind, but uh, you know, Lloydy, you'll remember 20 years ago. God, I'm having so many flashbacks to 20 years ago uh, when I was at the Ottawa Citizen and covering the bankruptcy and then sale uh, of the team ultimately to Eugene Melnick. In fact, I, I think it was around 20 years ago this week or within a couple of weeks that we, we it, first it was just ahead of the playoffs the- where it became official. Yeah, right. Like where we where we first heard the name Eugene Melnick, guys. And and look, I, I'm not going to defend what happened you know, uh, in the latter years of his stewardship of the Senators. It, it was wrong, and it went on for too long. But 20 years ago, he was that white knight riding to the rescue, right? I mean, we had become accustomed to franchise relocations from Canada to the United States, the Nordiques to Denver, the Jets to Phoenix. And that was a very real possibility for the Ottawa Senators. I can, I can remember being at my cubicle at the Citizen when a story crossed the wire, and it was that night, too, I mean, it was like straight out of a Hollywood strip. You know, it was a Reuters story that said an unnamed Canadian businessman was interested in buying the Ottawa Senators. And it was written by Roger Lajoie, the Fan 590 radio well, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we later learned that it's because he works for the same Mike's uh, majors of the OHL, which Eugene owned. So he had the inside scoop. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Melnick rose uh, rose to the occasion. How about the sweetheart deal he got? One hundred and thirty million dollars for the team and the arena, guys. Because and the land, you know, yeah, all of it. Yeah, and, well, because as you remember, the arena was under bankruptcy protection as well. It was owned by Covanta Energy Corporation, which mm-hmm. you know I guess got so big in energy that they decided let's just go buy and run arenas because. That's what energy corporations do. <laughs> um, so you had a bankrupt entity owning the then Corral Center. You had Rod Bryden's bankruptcy on the team itself, and uh, here came Melnick. And uh, guys, they you know the crazy part about that was they won the President's Trophy that year while being run by a bankruptcy trustee and made it to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. So I, I'm reading all these headlines from Boo and whatnot about how the you know, the bidding process here is winnowing and and the Ottawa Senators are going to get a new owner. And uh, I can't I can't help but having flashbacks to 20 years ago. It, it was really the story that I cut my teeth on as a Cub reporter. And, and it was really a seminal moment uh, for hockey in Ottawa, because let's face it, you know, Melnick did save the franchise there without him stepping up. I'm not sure the Senators are in Ottawa today. So you're an Ottawa guy with, uh, with with Vancouver and Ottawa roots. Uh, there's another Ottawa Vancouver roots guy in Ryan Reynolds. What do you make about uh, yeah his links to ownership here in Ottawa and the Senators? Well, I mean, I think it's tremendous for the team and for the league because he certainly has a following and a fan base, and it seems he really knows how to how to communicate with people and how to bring people to the campfire. So I think he's a a tremendous addition. I, I was pleased to see that, you know, the NHL wanted to get him uh, involved in, in this, with this one way or the other, no matter which group. Uh, you guys will have to educate me. You know, did the NHL place him with the 
Remington Group? Did he do that on his own accord? Does that make them the favorite? Um, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys uh, tell that story. But yeah, no, Ryan Reynolds um, has a huge presence here. I mean, even his Twitter handle is still uh, Van City Reynolds. So um, he's a proud citizen of Vancouver. We we see him from time to time because he does do movies up here. So, uh, and I think he'd be a, an incredible addition uh, from a public profile and celebrity point of view for the league and well, for the team. I was just going to say, this Van City Reynolds, like you know, maybe that's that's all we stood for Vanier. It's it's been it's been ah. right over all of us all these years. Hey, maybe that's what right. it's really about. That's where he lived right. when he lived here as a child as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, before we let you go, uh, we got the breaking mm-hmm. news from Montreal, and you've covered the CFL a long time. What do you make of uh, uh, Pierre Carl Pelado of Quebec? Or it's official now. Uh, he is a new yeah. owner of the Montreal Alouettes. Well, I, I, I think that should be a good thing. I mean, he's got incredibly deep pockets and is involved in, in media in the province of Quebec. So, you know, I was really disappointed to see what happened with that last ownership group because it seemed like there was a little bit of momentum coming back. Uh, you know, boy, 20 years ago, uh, covering the CFL for the Citizen, going into Montreal was such a blast. I mean, great ownership with Bob Lettenhall. Uh, of course, you know, the flamboyant rebel himself, Don Matthews, as the, as the head coach, Jim Pop, who turned out to be one of the great general managers in the league. And, of course, Anthony Calvillo, you can argue, uh, you know, the all-time passer and, and one of the great players. So uh, terrific to see them getting a, more of a, a toehold, a foothold. Uh, it is a fun rivalry between Ottawa and Montreal and football going going way, way back. So uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased to see that. And uh I gotta say, I'm gonna watch the Senators with interest here uh, over the final quarter, final quarter of the season. Um, you know, I I look back today uh, to the '97 run they did, where they won seven of the last nine, and of course, won nothing in the final game with Steve Duchesne scoring the great goal against Dominic Hasek and uh, voice with the do 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 Shane call. <laughs> yep, legendary. Uh, day, which I'm sure you can appreciate. So. Yeah, um, you know, that comes to mind. And uh, like I said, even even at 03 run to the finals, like I can still see that game seven goal from the Devils clear in my mind. Uh, former 67 Grant Marshall down the left wing. And for some reason, Redden and Rakunik both go to him and leave Jeff Friesen in front and, and the Devils score and win that game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. So. Um, there have been a lot of late season runs in Senators' histories, including into and through some of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think it'd be such a fun story if we were looking at, at that again this year with, I presume, a new owner at some point, too, right? Like, just like Melnick 20 years ago, taking over the team at some point in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I got one more for you, just because I know how passionate you are about football and the Canadian Football League. What do you make of this news that? Sounds like Halifax isn't dead, and the Atlantic Schooners might uh, consider a pop-up stadium uh, to to become the tenth CFL team. Well, I have long said that I, I I thought the priority for Randy Ambrosi should have been a ten franchise in Halifax or Atlantic Canada. Uh, you know, as as they were going out, and look, I, I understand why they had a global uh, strat- strategy. Um, there's a big wide world out there, and if you get even a tiny sliver of them paying attention to the Canadian Football League, that could be a, a significant number of people and revenue streams that didn't previously exist. I, I, I'm all for trying to um, get more of the American audience uh, watching the Canadian Football League, and, and the ratings are actually pretty good uh, when CFL games run down south in the summer. But 
you know, for me, the next frontier was to truly make it a, a coast-to-coast league to get to 10 teams in a round number because, AJ, we have this dreadful schedule now where <laughs> not every Eastern team comes out here to Vancouver. The Lions don't go to every Eastern city, and I just I don't know how they've, they've come up with that schedule in a nine-team league. And, of course, we saw how the Red Blacks and how the fans in Ottawa re-energized the CFL. 10 years ago when they came back in, um, you know, and, and needless to say, the ownership group there has done a, a, a tremendous job uh, of marketing and creating, you know, uh, an experience down there at, at the park. So I, I, I sure hope that Halifax gets the team. Uh, I, I think it would be a, a wonderful and long overdue achievement for the Canadian football league. And I think it can give it a, a nice shot of juice here because I think a lot of us uh, would be uh, really fascinated to follow that team and you know needless to say from a a bc and vancouver perspective we don't have a geographic rival for labor day right like ottawa plays montreal you got the banjo bowl you got the battles of alberta and and and, uh, ontario you know that's the next one the coast to coast the east versus west labor day classic with the lions and the halifax team so yeah I, i i'm pulling for it i'm rooting for it hard i think it would be an amazing an amazing development for the league you just want to go party in Halifax. That's okay. Who you doesn't? Can admit it. Who doesn't? Who exactly. Doesn't? Take a number. Okay. Have you Take a ever number been to the Split Crow? Have you ever been to the pier <laughs> down there in Halifax? Maybe the best pound for pound party city in the country. Nope. Although I think St. John's probably has a uh, has a claim to some of that as well. I'd be okay with a Grey Cup there. Oh, <laughs> could you imagine? I mean, and we see the Atlantic fans, AJ, and we worked yeah. Grey Cup Radio a number of years together. You know, you see the Atlantic fans each and every year at Grey Cup, uh, including, you know, the Atlantic Schooner. They had at one time had a, a van that they would drive to Grey Cup and still fly the flag and still promote uh, a team uh, for their region. So, yeah, no, uh, it'd be an incredible Grey Cup um, site. Heck, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it does pretty well in hosting sports events uh, when you think of World Juniors and World Championships that have been there. And if I can just shout out, both the men's and the ladies Carlton yeah, Ravens basketball team Good are segue. in Scotia as we speak in the, the ladies international semifinal today. And then, of course, uh, the men going for yet another title there in Halifax. The ladies up in Cape Breton. So go Ravens. All right. Well, uh, one's underway right now, uh, isn't it? The... So, yeah, the Ravens are playing right now. St. Mary's. Uh, yeah, they're in, playing uh, St. Yeah. Mary's. There, in there the you go. And, yeah. and then University of Ottawa coming up at uh, 1 this afternoon as well. Matt, uh, we could go on and on. Uh, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll end it there. But you promised me, now you got to spin this around. You start ducking Lee, okay? okay? Let's get spiteful with this thing, okay? You only come on with me or AJ, no Lee. <laughs> okay. All right. All so right. The next time you guys ask, I go, well, is Versage co-hosting? Because if he is, I'm afraid I can't make it. Please do. Thank you, Matt. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. All the best, fellas. Be well. There's uh, Matt Sakaris uh, with Sakaris and Price. Uh, great follow on Twitter. Uh, if you're if you're looking to track anything, you know BC sports. Uh, you know Matt's got you covered. And uh, good Ottawa guy. And thank you for joining us here on In the Box on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline, the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators. And we thought we'd reach out to Matt because that's the next opponent. And uh, yeah, Rick Talk has got that team playing well. So that's a huge win for the Ottawa Senators last night in Seattle. 
Uh, Seattle's a better team than Vancouver, but uh, it's it's not going to be an easy one uh, tomorrow night. And another huge two points on the line for the Sens as they continue the playoff push. We'll uh, take a break. When we come back, yeah, it is official. The, the Alouettes do have new ownership. We'll touch on that. Yes, the Ravens are in action. We'll get you an update on that. Uh, hey, listen, a couple Canadians did well yesterday at TPC Sawgrass. It's round two of the fifth major, if you will. Players Championship. We'll keep you abreast of that situation. And we got 67 hockey tonight. Don't forget that. Kenny Walls will have the call on TSN 1200 as we're back in a moment on In the Box on TSN 1200. This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. Did you watch the uh, the Chris Rock stand up yet on Netflix? AJ, he addresses the slap. No, I haven't. Good. So it, yeah, it, it was good, and it was neat because um, it was it was live actually. Like Netflix, that's interesting. We can get into the sports discussion of when or if that happens, right? From the Netflix perspective with streaming, but it, it was um, you could watch it live. They had a, a live channel. If you're a Netflix subscriber, you could watch Chris Rock do it. And you knew it was a lie because he actually screwed up part of his joke near the end about Will Smith, and he had to start over. <laughs> but uh, I didn't watch it live; I just watched the you know the replay of it. And uh, yeah, he, uh, he 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 brought that up, and um, as one would expect, uh, wasn't too flattering. Uh, you know, been talking about Will Smith, what uh, what he did to him a year ago. As uh, we got the Oscars coming up on uh, Sunday, I don't know. I got to. Um, I looked at the the nominees for best picture. I, I did not see a heck of a lot this year. You didn't miss much, I can tell you that. Okay, all right. And who's doing it? Kimmel this year, right? I is think that it's who it is? Ads. I think those are the ads I've been seeing. It's Jimmy Kimmel is going to be uh, hosting it, so that's coming up on. Uh, Unless on Ricky Gervais is hosting, and I know he usually hosted the Golden Globes and probably will never get asked back. Well, I'm he not... said that the last time. Last time, I promise. <laughs> I he still have amazing. that on my phone. Oh, he was amazing that <laughs> lot. That was that, my parents were uh, like I was just kind of recovering at home pre-pandemic. I think I think it was pre-pandemic, just before the pandemic. Just before, yeah. yeah. So I was recovering at home, watching, and I would never watch the Golden Globes, but my mom was there and wanted to watch, and it's like, yeah, yeah, all right, we'll watch, and I was just dying laughing. Oh, so Ricky good. Gervais was amazing. <laughs> I'll watch anything that he hosts, any award show. When, when you get your little award and you come up here, we don't want to hear about your speeches, about the things around the world and you're standing up for. You're not entitled to. If ISIS had a streaming service and they called right now, you'd sign up. <laughs> so get your little award and bleep off. <laughs> the look uh, the look on Tom Hanks' face, oh, Rowdy, he's just, he's just flabbergasted. <laughs> it's like, that was so good. Anyways, that's the Golden Globes. The, uh, the Oscars are coming up here and... Top of mind there is Kenny's playing a little Will Smith coming back, and we know what happened last year. Okay, uh, let me do a quick refresh here. What do I got? Um, we are late in the – no, we're through We're through the first, okay, into the second quarter. Uh, Carlton's got an uh, 18-7 lead, 18-17 lead as the uh, quarterfinals are underway. Yeah, I've got it on here on my phone, and it was it was 17-11 UQAM, but uh, big 7-0 run. No Aiden Warnholtz hit the three. What's Connor Warnholtz doing these days? Kenny Walls. me. Kenny? He's coming. I have no idea. I have not talked to Connor or seen Connor 
since a year or two after he stopped playing. Okay. Pretty good uh, brother duo. Have someone play OHL hockey and another be uh, the star point guard for Carlton men's basketball. What would be the most impressive? Would it be the nurse siblings right now? In this country? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that'd be t- pretty tough to beat, right? Yeah. When you're talking about multiple sports. Yes. You know, I'll have um, to I'll have to give some more thought to that. But just, top just of mind, a, that would be what I would think is uh, the most impressive siblings athletically in this country, like in the here and now. Yeah, yeah, active, like all 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 of them being active in various sports at, at very high levels. Impressive stuff. All right, thanks to uh, Matt Zakaris who joined us in our last segment. Now, it was a very busy night in the NHL last night, AJ, and this is something I just I didn't watch the game. I was watching the highlights. I've got uh, I've got my my cousin in town. Okay, he's a CADS instructor, so he's got an event up in Edelweiss, so he's crashing with us. So I didn't watch the early games, uh, but I watched the highlights. Um, oof, on it, it's bad if you give up a ten spot and lose a game. That's embarrassing. You you do it on in in your at your place. That, that's that's not good. So I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch any of that in I real didn't. time? No. Oh my goodness! What the heck happened to the Buffalo Sabers? Well, their Where? home record is terrible. Oh, how does that happen at home ice? Especially yeah. you lose ten four. Oh, like it's it's wild to see a team that's you know they're they're starting to fade right, but a team that's still in the playoff mix. That is 13, 8, 18 and 2 at home. They're 19, 10 and 2 on the road. So, yeah, it's it's strange to see a contending team. And when I say contending, contending playoff team, they're certainly not there yet in terms of Stanley Cup contenders just uh, play so poorly on home ice. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a team that's been fun to watch this year. They've scored a pile of goals. Last I looked, and I'll – check right now it was what boston edmonton and and buffalo that were top three in goals scored but yeah buffalo's third 237 goals four but when you look at goals against now there's six from bottom and all the the bottom five are well out of it anaheim san jose vancouver columbus st louis and buffalo like the uh the bottom nine in terms of goals against here's the bottom nine just taking into account their goal difference. Uh, Anaheim's minus 100. San Jose minus 61. Vancouver minus 32. Columbus minus 72. St. Louis minus 38. Then it's Buffalo at plus 3. Montreal minus 54. Arizona minus 49. And Chicago minus 68. So the bottom nine, like you're talking about teams that are anywhere's between minus 32 and minus 100 in goal difference. And then there's Buffalo, who just they are playing high-event hockey, right? It's never dull watching the Buffalo Sabres. You should should be able to see goals, hammer the over, right? But it's not winning hockey, and that's why they're probably going to be out of the playoffs. And, and that, I know it's just remarkable at the top of that food chain. I brought this up on the show last week as well. The Boston Bruins yeah. goal differential, they're kind of doing 
the individual plus minus what Bobby Orr did to the rest of the league <laughs> in the 70s, right? Like it's laughable. It's laughable. They're plus 104, second overall, fifth, plus 59. You, you go from plus 104 and the second best differential team in the league is Carolina at plus 59. 35-1-2, though, in games when leading after two periods. There you go. Yeah, finally lost. Yeah, it was 35-0-2 going into last <laughs> night. And some people talking about, was that a Stanley Cup preview against the Edmonton Oilers? I, I don't really know what to think about the Edmonton Oilers, but it, it was funny kind of following on Twitter, just kind of checking things out as I was seeing what was going around the league and, and how a bunch of people are just saying, oh, this this team can't win with this type of goaltending. And we know Jack Campbell. I mean, he's been awful this year. But Stuart Skinner, I mean, that's going to have to be their guy, right, for better or worse, because Jack Campbell, I mean, they've scored 23 goals in Jack Campbell's last five starts. That's pretty good run support. They haven't won any of them. So it has to be Stuart Skinner and, that's a big win for him because, yeah, he wasn't very good early when watching the highlights, but bounced back and they found a way to win the game in Boston. So we'll see. I, I don't know what you think about the West, but my goodness, there's not really one open. team that – No. Edmonton's a team, if they can figure it out and good get good goaltending, you would think they would be right there with Colorado as the, the most dangerous teams. But, yeah, I mean – Whoever gets hot at the right time. It, it, can, it can be overstated over the years. It's like, I'll oh, just get in and you have a chance. And you and I have had this discussion many times over the years. I'm full agreement. You know, Cinderella can maybe get, but Cinderella never wins, right? Usually, yeah. Like it's, you, Cinderella can go on a nice run, but in the end, the team that wins the Stanley Cup is full value and to, for winning the Stanley Cup. But... In terms of just getting to the final, what's an upset this year in the West? Eight beats one? That's not an upset. It's not. No, there there won't like be it's... much in terms of point differential between 1v8. I mean, right now, you could finish first in the conference or be in a, in a wild card spot. Easy. Any of those teams, right? So, whereas the, the East, it's where we kind of know our matchups. It's funny to see all the people complaining about Toronto and Tampa and that possible matchup. Well, right now the Devils are third, the Leafs are fourth, at least in points percentage, and the Rangers are fifth. And then it's Tampa Bay. So for all those complaining about the Leafs having to play Tampa Bay in round one right now, as of today, that other matchup would be a lot worse where you've got the third and fifth best teams in the league Squaring off. All right, so we've got the uh, the Sens in Vancouver taking on the uh, the Canucks tomorrow night for the next game. Um, you got some more thoughts on that? I haven't. Uh, you're rubbing off on me. I'm bad for this as well. But um, has Josh ripped us yet, uh, Kenny, on text for not reading any texts so far on the show? I don't think so. I, I don't believe so. No. Okay. All right. So we will mix in some of your text messages, and I'll, I'm just going to. Um, consolidate a few that came in early uh, because this news did come down yesterday afternoon 
And we got a random question on the show yesterday, AJ, uh, Kenny and myself, okay. about Kyle McDonald. Yeah, local boy. Com- and then, so Kenny gave his assessment. We know he came to the Sens uh, rookie camp, and he's having a good year in the O. Big kid, local guy. And then, lo and behold, um, he gets signed to an entry-level contract by the Dallas Stars uh, late yesterday afternoon. So that's uh, that's one of those nice feel-good stories. Not drafted. You know, you, you you fall through the cracks that way, but you keep working, and somebody's always watching, and he's got himself a three-year entry-level deal. That's a great story. Yeah, I'm told his dad, Eric, worked for the Ottawa Senators in the late 90s as well, so very cool story, and great to see uh, him get that entry-level deal with the Dallas Stars. Uh, at, you know, that's, that's an organization that's going to be, right? There, there's kind of no rebuild there because of the fact that, they got some later round picks. I mean, Haskin and they got really high, but with Ottinger, with Jason Robertson, who was a steal in the second round, and with a guy like Rupe Hintz, right? I mean, even though the face of the franchise or faces, right, started to age out a little bit, and Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, and they're still competing and, and leading the way in, in Dallas. Because of the way they've drafted, and we'll add Wyatt Johnston to that list as well, this looks like it's going to be a good team and a good organization for a long time. But happy, uh, always happy to see a good local boy get an NHL deal, and well done to uh, the McDonald family. And and with Dallas in general as well, you're right. Um, by the way, a scary incident with Tyler Sagan. He got cut last night, and he was bleeding. Uh, like a skate blade got him, so... Uh, as they thumped uh, Buffalo, a little bit of concern there for uh, the veteran Tyler Sagan. But when you look at the, well, the present and the, the future of the Dallas Stars, you've got a superstar forward. You've, I think you've got a superstar blue liner. And you've got a guy that's going to be, if he's not already, one of the better goalies in the league coming up partying in the playoffs and Jake Ottinger. So you got Ottinger, you got Heiskanen, and you got Robertson. All young guys, all, all contributing big time right now. So you, you've got a top-of-the-food chain asset at forward on the blue line and in goal. And you still got some veterans that are still contributing. And, you know, Joe Pavelski, we talk about Claude Giroux. Joe Pavelski, he's, what, he's 38 now, isn't he? Yeah. Like, it's just this guy. What a hockey player. You want to talk about elite, elite, elite hockey sense or use whatever hockey speak term you want to use to describe a smart hockey player. Because he, he was never fleet of foot. And maybe that's that's part of it, right, AJ? It's not like he, oh, I've I've lost a gear and I've got to adapt my game. He never had the gear. So he, he's always been the thinking man's player, kind of like Mark Stone a little bit that way, right? But he, he's slower than Stone. <laughs> but he's he he's 38, and he's in he's uh, he's still the top-end player in the league. So, you know, Dallas is, is an interesting team to track. Um, you know, for their their great youth, but also some their aging guys that are that are still contributing, and well, th- they signed Kyle McDonald. You can track the demise of San Jose and Dallas. I mean, the first year he signed there, they went to the finals, and Dallas has been a good team ever since. And San Jose's been a real bad team ever since. And I think a lot of that has to do with Joe Pavelski. And it's would have been a tough decision. I get it, right? Because you never know with players that are in that range, 35-plus, they can fall off a cliff in a hurry. But with Pavelski, 
it just hasn't happened. And it seems like he's getting better with age. Just incredible four-year span that he's had with the Dallas Stars. I love picking Bakes' brain on Pavelski. He's a big Joe Pavelski guy yeah. from his time covering the Sharks. And I can remember having Jamie Baker just as a guest whenever the Sens had played the Sharks over the years. And I can remember talking about he pumping the tires of Pavelski. This is like Marlowe and Thornton. It's like, this guy, he's the best net front guy in the league. He's got the smartest stick. He knows when to tap the defenseman stick at the right moment. Like the, the little savvy plays to get your stick free, get pucks on goal. And, uh, man, he's an impressive player, 38 years young now. Okay, we'll uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll start to be all inching towards. We'll have fun with this one. Ricky Cobb is going to join us on this year in the show. AJ's lined that up for us. If you don't know who Ricky Cobb is and you're on Twitter, chances are if you listen to sports radio, you know who Ricky Cobb is. And if you're on Twitter, that's Super 70 Sports. Have that chat coming up at noon on In the Box on TSN 1200. This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. Kenny playing his favorite. Stick it to that, Kenny. No other reason. Okay. Ricky Cobb's going to join us in the next segment. Should play this for Ricky. <laughs> Might get a reaction, maybe. Um, By the way, yeah, I got go a text. Yeah. Or sorry, a tweet about uh, Canadian siblings. Oh, okay. We, what do you we, got? Uh, we saw one play last night for Seattle. That would be one Jamie Alexia. Oh, yeah. Penny. Good one. Yep. But that's still just two. Like the nurses. Yeah, no, the nurses. There's what three, right? Yeah, there's three. Maybe there's more playing, but yeah. three high profile. And uh, well, the uncle's Donovan McNabb, right? Yeah, of the nurses as well. So uh, pretty, pretty good. That's good though. Yeah, Penny Alexiak. That's always been the joke with Jamie Alexiak, and he jokes about it himself. I've seen him comment on it. Plays in the NHL. Canadian kid plays in the NHL. You got a pretty high profile in this country. Nope. <laughs> Not even close to my sister. Not even close <laughs> with what she's accomplished at the Olympic Games. Um, just wanted to give everybody a quick update. Players' Championship. Um, Canadians, uh, two Canadians had very strong day one. So that's fun. There's, there's so many Canadians now on tour. Seven have their full cards. Six are playing in this event. Um, two of them are near the top of the leaderboard after day one. Taylor Pendrith, who was five under yesterday, he tees it up in about 20 minutes. Uh, coming up close to one at four under par, Adam Svensson um, will be uh, teeing it up. So uh, round two is uh, underway, and uh, currently um, through 16 holes today, three under today, now eight under for the tournament, Ben Griffin is your leader. Uh, some names you might know, Colin Morikawa, was at seven under par. He's yet to tee it up for his round two. And uh, day one uh, leader, Chad Ramey, tees it up at uh, eight under par. So uh, golf's fifth major uh, had a hole-in-one on 17 yesterday, multiple balls in the water. And that's what I've, I kind of like about this event, even if you're not a you know, golf fan, right? You can go to PGATour.com. If you just like to watch Carnage, AJ, you can sit there and watch 17. Yeah. 
<laughs> just just watch. Like it's I think they had it set at like 137 yards yesterday, something like that. That's not that far, right? But think about it. On that stage with so many people watching and you got to hit this little island green. These are the best players in the world. It's golf's deepest field and there's all kinds of train wrecks. So if you're into that kind of thing, yeah. You know, the kind of person that, that watches car racing for the accidents? That's Lee, isn't it? Your, your co-host on the drive? Yeah, no, like I he, think he likes everything about NASCAR. Okay. I watched uh, Daytona this year, by the way. Okay, yeah, and? I thought Left it was turn? good, but I didn't love the ending. Because every time there was a crash, and there was a ton of them late, there would be overtime. And so the... It would set up two laps, and then they'd crash again and do overtime again and crash again, and eventually it finally crashed on the last lap, and basically whoever was leading at that time ended up winning. It was a bit of a strange ending, but I enjoyed it. It was good theater. It would be cool to go to a NASCAR race. I've been to uh, five IndyCar races. Three in Vancouver, sorry, three in Edmonton, one in Vancouver, one in Toronto. But not, uh, not of course, uh, the Canadian Grand Prix, like our F1 expert right here. That's right. Mr. Walls. Now, with, um, you know who's been um, to, I know, at least one NASCAR event, our good friend Terry Marcotte. Him and his, his wife a few years ago went down. And they got infield passes and did the whole thing, right, on one of these super speedway events. Yeah. Where it's all, everybody's got their Winnebago's. It's like a, it's a big tailgate, <laughs> like, on the infield of these places. Oh, yeah. And, and he said it was just amazing. Just one, one of the best experiences he's ever had at a sporting event. Checking that out. So that, that would be cool. No question about it. All right, Ricky Cobb is going to join us in our next segment, so why don't we clear the track here? We should take a break now because we want to uh, be on time for Super 70 Sports, who's uh, going to be joining us, and who knows what we're going to talk about. Well, he's got a new TV show. This is, like, he announced that, so AJ has been in touch with Ricky over the years, so you reached out and congratulated him. He got back to you, and you're like, you know what? Want to hop on? Sure. He'll hop on. Should we need him again? Because I think the last time I spoke to him, are you going to get the right can, Canadian can we, shirts? Can, can we order from Canada yet, Ricky? You know, from your store? It still hasn't been able to do that yet. Because he's people that don't know, he's turned a lot of his tweets into uh, smart, into T-shirts. <laughs> and there's <laughs> some really store. good ones, yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right, so we'll do that next. Gord Wilson's been in touch. He's excited because Gord's been texting me. He just can't wait to join us. But he'll he'll have to wait a little bit longer. He'll join us coming up at 1 o'clock this afternoon as our Sens and NHL Insider. Sens uh, coming off a, an impressive late come from behind win in Seattle. It was a Claude Giroux show late. And then they get right back at it. you got to flush the good ones too, right? Flush that one just like they flushed Chicago because they got another one tomorrow night in Vancouver against the Canucks. And Gord will tell us all about it at 1. Back in a moment, though, with Ricky Cobb of Super 70 Sports on In the Box on TSN 1200.